Hey, uh, today what I want to do in uh, this final message from the series on spiritual ID is, is I want to do what a good teacher does, because I'm not always a good teacher, but I want to do what a good teacher does, and I want to tell you what I'm going to tell you, and then I'm going to tell you, and then I'm going to tell you what I told you, all right? And so uh, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you, all right? Here's where we're going with this. Uh, it's, it's real simple. Uh, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. Remember how the rest of it goes? Treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know, I have no friend like you. What will I do? I can't remember. I got, you always got to sing it. I never can remember the words, but... Heaven's not my home anymore. Uh, this world is not my home anymore. Heaven is my home. We are aliens. We are strangers here. That's where I'm going. And, and there's three things that we need to do to remember that our home is not here and that our place, our citizenship is in heaven. Those three things are you need to walk in your new spiritual ID. Two, you've got to walk with your new family, spiritual family. And three, you've got to walk with God if you're going to hang on to your spiritual ID. All right? So that's where we're going. I've told you what I'm going to tell you. Now I'm going to tell you. All right? So uh, one of the wonderful things uh, about uh, the uniqueness of, of humans is, is that we are all uniquely made in the image of God. And we got different fingerprints. we got different uh, retinal patterns. We have different signatures. Our voices are all unique and identifiable and distinct from other voices. Outwardly, each one of us has a different combination of, of physical features and uh, coloring, and uh, even in the case of twins, uh, there are differences, inward differences of personality, uh, there's differences of creativity and thinking, and that's true for every single one of us. And as scientists and doctors discover more about the amazing uh, complexities of the human body and mind, I mean, we can cry out with the psalmist David and just say, Lord, it is true, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Uh, your works are wonderful. I know it full well. And as human beings, even though we are really complex, uh, at the same time, we also have some very simple, common, basic needs. Every single one of us. You know, our bodies can't function without a certain amount of, of food and water. And there's a point when we, we go after those things. We also have basic emotional and spiritual needs. I mean, we all need love. We are just wired that way. We, we all need some sort of significance or sense of purpose in our lives. We are all wired that way. And sometimes these spiritual and emotional needs also compel us to go after those things, just like physical, physical needs drive us to eat and to drink. And, but because of the world that we live in, that we are compelled to try and fulfill those needs in ways that are un, unknowingly inadequate. So, uh, for example, in our country, uh, there's a nickname that the rest of the world has given us, and it's called the melting pot. And, and sometimes we take great pride in our country that we are the melting pot of the world where there's culture, different cultures, ethnicities that have all come, and we are one, we're an American. But at the same time, there's another side to that where we scratch our heads, and we're a little confused because there's, there's another side to the melting pot. And it's like, well, what is an American? What does that look like? What does it mean to be an American? 
And, and so there's a lot of people, and I've been doing this over the years, because we're confused about American identity, we go back to a pre-American identity. And, and so people like me will go, yeah, I'm Irish-American. You know, uh, there's people who say, I'm Italian-American, and I'm African-American, I'm Latin-American. And is that wrong? No, it's not wrong. It's just a human need of trying to attach ourselves to something that has significance and meaning. But you got to watch out for this. And, and, and I, I'm going to share with you some more examples of this, but you've got to watch out for these kind of things because of our commercialized world. Our commercialized world is always trying to sell you something and exploits our search for identity and for significance. And so you've got to watch out that. They are coming after you with a vengeance, and they know your needs. They've identified them, and they're going to attach them to a product so that you will buy it. So watch out. We are warned uh, to watch out for these subtle philosophies of this world that try to capture our imaginations and our minds. And so the question is, and, and some of the questions are, how do you define yourself? I mean, is your identity defined by what you do? Is it defined by others around you and their approval or disapproval of you? Is it defined by whether you have success or not in this life? You know, here's an example. Sometimes, uh, well, a lot of times, uh, this happens uh, for men and women, uh, maybe more so for men, but sometimes uh, you introduce yourself, your name is given, and what follows is, what do you do? What's your line of work? And, uh, that, you know, it's even reflected historically in our names. You know, uh, think about it. John Shoemaker, well, obviously, family of who used to make shoes. Uh, Samuel Carpenter uh, used to build things. Robert Baker used to bake things. You know, although in our time... Alan Shepard wasn't a shepherd. Instead, he was an astronaut. Many of us today have identity wrapped up in what we do, even though our names may not reflect it. it. We're trying to make a name for ourselves. That's what we're doing. And is it wrong to like what you do and take pride in it? No, no. But in a world where job markets shift and economy can collapse, downsizing occurs regularly, and career changes in midlife are, are, are normal, maybe it's not the best idea to put your identity in your occupation. Maybe it's not a good idea to do that. You know, is identity found in your success? Are you always saying, well, after this next big project, then the pressures will be off and, and I'll spend more time with my husband or, or more time with the family? Is that what you're saying a lot? You know, success can be addictive, can it? We like it. We want more of it. So I'm going to go after it. That's where I find meaning, find identity. So I may not find as much here in my family any longer, so I'll go find it at work. Am I saying that success is bad? That we shouldn't give our best and, and complete our tasks? No, I'm not saying that. But defining your identity totally by success is dangerous when... We know that we're human. Our abilities are going to fail us at some point. It will happen to you if it hasn't happened yet. And the truth is, as we get older, we lose a bit of our sharpness and our quickness. And the other thing, some of us find out that success isn't always fulfilling. What did Jesus say about it? He said, what good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? 
Well, what about relationships? You know, I, I knew a lady whose identity was wrapped up in her relationship to others. She was always dropping the names of VIPs uh, she had met. And even though she may have only uh, talked with these very important people for 60 seconds, I mean, she was tight with them. And she could speak on their behalf as, you know, as, as if she knew their needs and what they wanted. And, uh, but what she was doing, she was trying to let us know that she was significant because she knew significant people. And, you know, and that might be extreme. Uh, I don't know if we have really anybody who does that around here, but, but what about those of us who maybe have found a, a, that boyfriend or that girlfriend or that husband or wife thinking that our sense of value comes solely from their acceptance, their admiration, their affection? If they are your happiness, what happens when they fail you in filling that void? I mean, really, I mean, really, what a terrible weight to put on another human being. And am I saying that it's, it's wrong to find fulfilling relationships and be happy together? No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that our appetite for love and acceptance is too large to be filled by a human being. It can only really be satisfied by our Creator. Well, sometimes identity can be stolen by thieves they steal our social security numbers, our bank account numbers. Maybe that's happened to you. I hope it hasn't. But there are other people who have had their identity stolen in other ways. You know, when they've been physically or sexually abused, it's as if their identity is taken, stolen from them, because it immediately brings up questions about their worthiness. It's like it's been stolen, leading them to questions about their identity and who they are. You know, there's others of us, we just want to lose our identity. You know, we, we're not too proud of our past. You know, we got a family history that's kind of dark or, or uh, you know, something's painful that has happened in our past, and we'd rather just leave it behind. Just let, let it go. And, you know, we want a permanent spring break where we can go off to some far-off place and not act like ourselves. We want to lose ourselves, recreate ourselves without any accountability or connection to the past. You know, all these things, all these things I've described, these subtle and not so subtle pressures from the world, they crowd in. And only after a little time on this earth, maybe even just for kids, I mean, 10, 11, 12 years old on this earth, we can have our identity confused, wrapped up or stolen. And there is a sense of being lost I mean, why do you think people used to say in the 70s and 80s, I just need to find myself? It's because the world we live in confuses us, robs us of identity. And today, you know, maybe we're not so goofy about saying things like, I just need to find myself. But you know, we're, we're just more straight to the point. I mean, we're like an am, amnesiac confessing, who am I? I mean, we're straight to the point. And it's a good question to ask. You know, and it's not such a bad place to be at. I'll tell you, Jesus mentions a guy who was in this same place in life. He had a particular story of wanting to lose his identity. He wanted to get away, go off to a far, far off place. But he wound up in the same place as the rest of us in the world, in that confused, amnesiac, who am I and what am I doing here place? But Jesus indicates that, that for this man, 
that getting to this point or realizing the confused and lost place was really the turning point for this man. See, this guy, Jesus describes and says that, that after success had left him, after his relationships had failed, after his career had ended, found himself working on a farm feeding pigs. It wasn't his idea of where he wanted to be. And in Jesus' story about this guy, it does have a happy ending. This guy figures out his identity and he gets back on track. You want to know how this guy got, got back on track? Where, where, where did this guy look when he had lost his identity? He looked to his father. He looked to his father. And, and what the son realized was that he had a father who gave him definition in life. A father who could prove who he was. This is my son. And through his father, the, the, the son realizes that not only was his life given significance because of him, but also even his, his employees, his servants, his, his workers on the family farm had definition, had identity through the father. So what did the son do? After he came to, had his moment of realization, he returned to the father. So men and women, that's what some of you here today need to do. You need to return to the Father so that you can regain your identity. Now, no one, no one here can make you realize maybe what you've wrapped yourself up in. No one here can make you realize maybe how you've lost your identity in something. Only you and the Spirit of God can come to terms with that realization but if, if that is the case today, that, that there's a dawning, there's a realization that you need to regain your identity, you need to return to the Father. I want you to know when you return to the Father that there's something that He wants to do. He wants you to receive what He has to give you. He wants to pour out on you like an extravagant Father to restore you as his sons and daughters. It's your true destiny and your ultimate identity. I, I just want to show you a list of the things that the Father pours out on you the moment that you realize and you return to him. These, these are the things that we receive. Now for some of you, this has happened in a, a moment in your past, maybe a long time ago. Uh, for some of you, it's more recent, and, and you're just learning these, these new names and these new things that the Father gives you. Some of you, it, it, this is totally foreign. You've never heard this before. Uh, and for those of you, it's been a point in your past. I want you to know that, that I know that some of you have maybe forgotten some of this, and you need to be reminded. And so this is all good for us. Just remember that. This is all good for us. So let me, let me hear. This is all the things that our extravagant Father gives you the moment that you enter into a relationship with Him. One, you are forgiven. You don't have to wash yourself up anymore. You, you are a child of God. You've been adopted into a family. You, you have, a, all, you have a, a, a backstage, all-access pass to God the Father. There's no more stiff-arming and you keeping you at a distance. You have been reconciled. 
you, it's, there's no wall dividing you any longer. It's been torn down. You're justified. You don't have to defend yourself or make up excuses for yourself any longer. You've been placed in Christ, the safest place on earth or in heaven. You are been, you've been made acceptable to God. You, you don't have to go and seek approval and acceptance from others any longer. You have a heavenly citizenship that is a better passport than a U.S. passport any day of the week. You are the family of God. You're not just part of some institution, cold and sterile. You've been brought into a warm, loving family. You have a new heavenly association. You don't need to go find some social status at a club any longer. You are glorified in Christ. You don't have to go out and seek glory for your own name. You're working for to bring glory to another name now. You're in the fellowship of the saints, one of the great associations of this world. You are on the rock of Christ Jesus, and when the world gets shook, you don't have to be shook. You can stand firm in peace. You've been redeemed. You've been given value, the value of the Jesus on the cross. That is the value that God has placed on you. You're free from the law. You're adopted by the Father. You've been brought near to God. You've been delivered from the power of darkness. You've been made members of royal and holy priesthood. you got a new purpose in life. You're light in the Lord. You've been united to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That perfect fellowship you've been invited into to participate in that fellowship and enjoy it. You've been made complete in Him. You are possessing every spiritual blessing. That's what was given to you the moment that you entered into relationship with Jesus. And you need to remember. Look, I know that, that all these are, are not new names, but they're gifts and they're actions of the Father to you. But those things can change you. They've changed me. And, and, and to know that we are complete in Him. I mean, that changes everything for the man or woman who's been, been told that they're incomplete because they're single. Or it changes everything for the hard-working person who's been told that they'll never amount to anything. Say, no, you are complete in Him. You are complete in Him. Rip off the false name tags that the world tries to place on you. Rip them off and put on your new identity. Remember who you are and who you've been made to be. Now, with all that I've told you, in just these few moments, I know for some of you, there's still the whole, so what? Good question. You should always ask that anytime someone is preaching or teaching. You should say, so what? You get right to the point when you ask that question, don't you? I mean, and so here is the so what. By returning to the Father, for those of us who've already done that, those who are in process returning to the Father, you have been given a new identity. The Scriptures describe you as now having a citizenship to heaven. You live here on earth in the United States, but you are a citizen of the kingdom with an ID from another country. And you know what? That presents just a few problems for us living here in this country, just like it would for an immigrant from another country coming here to work or do other things in this country. There's a few little obstacles, a few problems, but it can work. But you got to know some of these things, and here's some of the things that you need to know. Here's one problem. you got this new ID, but you've been living and acting like a native of this country. Now, granted, we, we all came in as natives to this country, to this world, but we've been given this new ID. You, you need to admit, you need to admit that you're an alien. You know, I, I think I've done it before, but I'll do it again. Man, I, I just laugh sometimes at that, that old song by Michael W. Smith. My place in this world, my place in this world. You know, 
I understand what he was saying, but it's like, Michael, come on, man. This, isn't, this world is not your home. It's not our home. We don't need to be looking for our place in this world. And you need to admit you're a stranger on this earth. Either, either you are hiding your new identity or you're simply enticed by this place that you're visiting. And so maybe in the case of you're hiding your new spiritual ID, it's maybe because you're ashamed. You've been convinced by some of the, those name callers and philosophers of, of the world that, that, that Christ followers are stupid, that they're ignorant, they're bigoted, they're puritanical, they're hypocritical. And so even though you are light in the Lord, every time you go in the darkness with some of your friends with, without the light, you, you turn off your light too. You hide it. Your friends who are used to the darkness tell you that you're, oh man, turn off that light, that hurts my eyes. And you go, oh, I'm sorry. I was just making a choice, a life choice. I didn't mean to offend you or step on your toes. So I'll stop it now. And then you stop making that choice. You, you, you hide the light. And everybody's eyes just remain adjusted to the dark. And later, your light naturally comes back on. You, you, it comes uncovered. And it comes it's because it's who you are. You can't change who you are. And, 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 and you're back around them again. They're like, oh, ooh. That light hurts my eyes. Turn it off. And so, oh, okay, I'll cover it up. I'll hide it. And what you're doing is you're giving those folks a light show. Off, on, off, on, off, on. And they, their eyes, they just can't adjust to the, to the light. It's just always going to be painful. You've got to choose one or the other. You've got to leave the light on. Instead, what does Jesus say to us about this? He says, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Don't be ashamed. Admit you're an alien. I said that there might be another problem, not just this uh, ashamed problem, or, or um, but there might be a problem of you're, you're just kind of starting to act like a native. You see, with a new identity, your homeland is heaven. And there's really only two kinds of people. There's natives to this world, and there's the aliens, the strangers, the pilgrims of faith. It's supposed to be us. And, and this world is not your home anymore, but we live in the world, and even though we're not, we're, we're not of it, right? We live in the world, but we're not of it. And sometimes that's tough. That's hard. Sometimes we can get seduced. We get wrapped up in the things that the world tempts us to put our identity in. We end up not being the pilgrims, not being the aliens, not being strangers to this world, and we don't end up being a native either. I mean, our friends are, are, are kind of going, man, what's up with you? I mean, you're doing this light thing, and then, and then it's off, and then you're, but you're not really with us, and you're, not, you're just kind of this in-between. What, what's up with you? And it ends up that we, we're creating a third class of people. You know, we have natives, and then we have pilgrims, but then we create this third class. It's called tourists. We want to sample the taste and sample and taste the culture around us. We want to see and visit all the sights. We, we try to have the best of both worlds. You know what Jesus said about a mix of hot and cold? He called it lukewarm. And he spits it out of his mouth. And we don't want to go there. We just don't want to go there. Now here's the other problem for some of us in keeping our new identity we get swayed, we get tempted, we get ashamed, or we try being a tourist for a while, and we end up getting lost and confused. And some of us begin to wonder, 
Can, can I regain what I lost? Can I go back to the Father? Can I go back and get my identity? And I just want you to know that Jesus told another story along with the extravagant father and the lost son. He told another story about a sheep and a shepherd. He said a shepherd had a hundred sheep and one of them wanders off and gets lost. And, and what does the shepherd do? Leaves the 99 behind and goes looking for the one until he finds him. And my question for you is this. When is a sheep lost? And when is a sheep found? A sheep is lost whenever he's away from the shepherd. That's the simple definition of lost. And when is a sheep found? Well, whenever she is with her shepherd. You know, a sheep can be in the middle of a dense forest with a pack of wolves around her, and that sheep is not lost or in trouble if the shepherd is with her. That's the definition of found. So whether you are a son who can still find his way home to the Father, or you're a sheep in need of being found by the shepherd, whether you're a pilgrim of the faith who's gotten shame on you and have hidden your light, or, or maybe you're a citizen of, the hev of heaven who started acting like a, a, like a tourist, here are the things that you need to regain your, new, your, your spiritual ID. Or this is how you keep your spiritual ID if you haven't lost it. All right? So here are the three things I told you at the beginning, and I'm going to tell you again. One, you need to walk in your new ID. You need to confess daily that you are an alien, a citizen of a heaven, heavenly country, that you are not home yet. And instead of trying to hide the light or, or strip the light off of yourself, you need to step into it. You need to do as the Scriptures command and put on Christ. It's like a set of clothes that you put on each day before you go out. And, and I believe that most of you know how to dress yourselves, but you've just got to stop going out spiritually naked. And we've got to figure out that part. You need to take that spiritual ID list that I flashed up on the screen. I sent it out in, in the email update for all of you if, if you want it. Uh, you, or, or you need to get that, or you need to find a few verses on your own, and, and you need to write them down on some note cards. You need to pray those verses as you get up in the morning. And get yourself ready. You need to say, Father, I thank you so much that I can even call you Father. That you've adopted me into your family. I, I just want to clothe myself in humility today. And clothe myself in Christ today. Dress me up in all that you've given, Lord. You just need to start out with your day like that. Look, I'm not talking about spiritual armor for a fight. Some of you are good at, at that kind of thing. You're putting on the righteousness. You've you got bold faith. You've got that belt of truth. I'll tell you the truth. Nothing but the truth. The whole truth. I mean, you're good at that, but you're forgetting to dress up in love. You're forgetting to dress up in Christ. Post these identity verses on, on the dash of your car. Put them on your bathroom mirror, your, your ceiling above your bed, your office desk, your computer screen. Put them in places that you'll see them every day. Take some physical action to get some spiritual action moving in your life. Walk in your new ID. Two, you've got to walk with your new family. You know, you've got this new spiritual ID because you got adopt, adopted into a new family by the Father. And you have brothers and sisters on this journey. Now, I know some of you are very disappointed with the biological family that you didn't choose. And you're also disappointed with the spiritual family that you didn't choose. But I want you to know that God knows what He's doing. 
He placed you exactly where you need to be. And we were not meant to walk spiritually alone. No man is an island, but some of you have been trying to be on one. And so you're going to have to row, row, row your boat to make some connection with others. And I know it isn't as easy as when you were a little schoolgirl, a little schoolboy, and you sat down and say, hey, Tommy, hey, Jane, you want to be my friend? Sure, I'll be your friend. And then you're friends for the rest of the you know, elementary school, for, in junior high and high school. I mean, you just get placed with these people and you become friends because you're just there together all the time. It's not that easy when you get, when you get out of school, is it? It's going to take some work, and so you're going to have to walk with your new family. Move not just your spiritual feet, but your physical feet. You're going to have to get up off your butt, make a phone call, make an email, get in the car, and drive to meet with a brother or sister in Christ. There he goes again. He's telling us to get off our butts. Look, man, I am not here to keep the peace, but I'm here to disturb you. That really is my calling. And I'm I'm here to to dare you to venture out higher up the mountain, and further out into wider seas because a ship is not meant to stay safe in the harbor. A ship is meant to go out and to sail. Third thing, you have got to walk with God, with our Lord, if you're going to maintain your new spiritual ID. Jesus was never confused about his spiritual identity and he can keep you straight on yours. That is the truth. And when he asked, who do people say I am? It wasn't because he was confused or insecure. He asked his followers because he knew that they needed to know who he was because his identity was so important. It was was inextricably connected to theirs. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide or walk with me, you'll keep a vital connection that will make your life productive and fruitful. But if you don't, you can do nothing apart from me. Turn to the Lord every day. Look up, get your eyes off yourself every morning and you will find your identity. When you look up and see him and see the father, you'll know I am his child. And, and band, you can come on up here, we can get going. And, and, and when you look up, you'll see that he's, he's the father and you go, I'm his child. That's not confusing, is it? And, and you'll get your eyes off yourself and you look up at him and you go, he's the potter, I'm the clay. That's not confusing, is it? You'll, you'll look up and see that he is the shepherd you go, well, I'm the sheep. That's not confusing, is it? No. And you don't have to be confused about your identity. You don't have to go find yourself or recreate yourself. And guess what? You can do this every single day. You get your perception right about spiritual ID. And you can ask him, Lord, let me walk with you today. And if you, pilgrim of faith, if you, aliens, if you, citizens of heaven, are with him, it doesn't matter if it's dark out there. If there's a pack of wolves surrounding you, you're not lost. You're in the safest place ever if you're with the shepherd, if you're with him. It's going to be all right. You're going to make it home. You're going to make it home. I know that sometimes we just need a little mile marker along the way to tell us we're getting close. We need something to remind us of home and who we truly are and what we're to be. And Jesus, I I know that I gave you these three things, but Jesus gave us something big. Jesus gave us something. He gave us a little memorial to remember. And it's it's a point of coming back to the cross. He gave us these symbols. He gave us some bread. He said, this is my body that I, I laid down my life for you at the cross. This is my, my blood that washes away your sin 
so that, that you don't have to clean yourself up anymore. And, and like Jason started us out at the beginning of this series, talking about identity, Jesus brings us back to the cross to say, remember, I took you from a sinner to a saint. And Jesus says, I did that all on my own. You had nothing to do with it except for you came and surrendered. And, and we come back to this place every Sunday. We come to the cross. We come to this intersection where we remember His identity, Savior, Transformer, Changer of lives. And we come to the cross and know that He's changed us. You see, when we talk about new identity, it isn't about so, so we can get all high and mighty about ourselves. It's about, God, thank You. This is so amazing what You've done in my life. You are so amazing. You are so great. God, I just want to, I want to tell others about You. I, I want them to be in on this too. That's what it creates in us. And so when we, we go this morning, the band's going to play a song, and as they play, there's going to be some people around the rooms holding a plate with the bread that represents Christ's body, a goblet that has juice that represents His blood. You take that bread, dip it in the juice, and when you take it, you remember it's because of your faith in what Jesus did at the cross that changes you, it transforms you, and it gives you a new identity. You've been brought in. You've been brought into the family. And so you can do this at any time when the song is played, when your heart is ready. You can take aside your family and talk and pray if you want to do that as you take this. And, and, and just know that this is, this is our reminder. This is our reminder that we are pilgrims of faith. We're aliens. We're strangers. But we're on our way home. It's the mile marker. We're not far yet. We keep doing this, proclaiming it until His return. Until His return. So let's pray. Would you, would you stand with me and pray? Lord Jesus... You are so amazing. All the things that you've poured out on us, I am so grateful, so thankful for what you've done. And Lord, I just want to say that you're amazing. And I, I stand amazed at you. My, it, my jaw is dropped. And I just say that you are so good. You are so great. And I thank you for what you've done. And Lord, in this moment, we remember that it's, it's because of what you did at the cross that makes all this possible that the Father could pour this out through you by your Spirit to us. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.